Hey, my name is Rob Payone, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast, the show where we discuss everything related to the career journey in the blockchain, cryptocurrency, and Web3 space. Today, we have a great interview in store for you. It is with Afalabe of Cross River Bank. You may not have heard of Cross River Bank before. There's a good chance you've actually used their products and services, however, and this episode is really going to be of interest for anybody out there who has tried to get into crypto, it's taken longer than they hoped for, and it's just been an overall challenging experience. I think this episode is really going to resonate with a lot of you individuals out there, especially those of you in non-technical roles who don't have the most clear transition into the cryptocurrency industry. Now, without further ado, let's hop into the interview. Afalabi, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Proof of Talent podcast. Really appreciate it. And one of the first questions that I want to hop into, you have a really varied and interesting background prior to working in the blockchain, cryptocurrency space, fintech space, whatever you want to call it. What were you doing professionally before you got involved in the crypto space? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Um, so for me, I've had about approaching 15 years of experience, mostly around strategy and operations. But honestly, it's been a range of industries. So I studied chemical engineering. My first job was designing oil refineries um, down in Texas. And then I moved into becoming an oil analyst. Then I became a consultant. And most recently, before switching over to crypto, I worked at a bank in payments. So I've done a couple of different industries. Um, so we're just pursuing my interest, really. How did how did you go from oil <laughs> to <laughs> to consulting to a bank what was the what was kind of the impetus for the for the interest transition yeah i mean i think for me one of the things ever since i was a young kid growing up in nigeria i wanted to work on problems that were big i'm going to solve problems and so for me as a kid i had memories of waiting with my grandma or my parents in line for hours to buy gas and so that was a problem i saw up front and that's part of the reason why i went into oil and gas so like i wanted to go you know, go build refineries and solve that problem that I saw firsthand growing up. And then after coming to the States and learning, okay, oil isn't just helping people have power, but there are also some challenges with the environment. Um, and then I also saw the industry wasn't necessarily booming. Um, I felt, okay, doesn't that make sense for me to be in a fast growing space? And so consulting was great because I got to develop this like business skill set without going to business school, and that helped me transition into a new industry. And when you went from, so it looks like just pulling up LinkedIn, <laughs> you were at McKinsey, and then you ended up going into banking. Yeah. Were you working with like banking clients mm. at McKinsey, and that struck an interest, or? Well, no, I mean, no, I didn't. I worked initially. My first year at McKinsey was focused mostly on oil and gas and chemicals. Then after I got the consulting toolkit down, I started serving companies across different industries. I really didn't touch financial services, but again, based on my own life experience, I thought payments to me felt like pipelines in a strange way, right? In oil pipelines, you're moving oil from point A to point B, and someone charges a tariff. And one thing I noticed back, this is like five years ago, but the richest people in Texas, many of them actually owned oil pipelines. And then I took a step back and I thought, okay, actually payments are like oil pipelines for the economy. And if you can just charge a little bit of money over time, the economy continues to grow. You could do really well by, you know, 
essentially charging a tariff on the economy. So that was like the an analogy I used to kind of break into the payment space. Um, and then when I got into payments, I realized, yo, there are actually some big inefficiencies, some things haven't changed in decades, and there might be better technologies to get this thing done. One of the things that I think as, as somebody who works with a lot of different hire managers, I feel like I hear both in crypto and outside that there's always seems to be a preference or an interest in people working within the consulting space or, or interest in hiring people that have that background, you know, at the kind of the McKinsey's of the world, like what type of qualifications or what type of skill set did you learn within a role like that, that you feel like is applicable to kind of future roles, if, if anything? Yeah, sure. I think there's several things that I found really helpful. One of the first things is really problem solving and structured problem solving. There's this joke um, about consultants that when you, whenever like the going to Starbucks, you know, you can hear with consultants in the place because they're speaking very structured way. So a regular person goes to the barista is like, yo, I would like to buy, uh, I'm thinking I want to buy a bagel and then I'm going to get, I'm going to get a coffee. Uh, I'm going to get a caramel macchiato. The consultant goes there's like, hey, hi, barista. I'd like to get two things. The first thing is going to be a bagel. The second thing is going to be a caramel macchiato grande soy milk. Thank you very much. And I think the structured communication is part of the structured problem solving. And that is the key in any industry. When you're engaging with executives, when you're be able to be clear on problem solving. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is you build... Um, I worked on 18 projects across different industries in three years. And so you quickly build um, like mental models of here's how you can quickly solve a problem. And you know how to quickly zero in because maybe you have seen some past experience, you know how to move quickly to actually you know, get there. So that's the second thing I would say. The third thing I would say is, um, I would say is actually confidence. Um, if you think you can do it, you can do it. And it's, the same is true the opposite way. So I think with consultants, I've been thrown in some really interesting, really intense you know, situations, and I survived. And so I was like, yeah, bring it. I can make it work. When you moved from consulting to banking, how was, what was that experience like for you kind of in that, in that transition in general? It was interesting because um, the team I joined was meant to be like a SEAL team six. So we're all former consultants and we're brought in to like bring new ideas. People love hiring consultants. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but bringing new ideas, move very quickly, increase efficiency, and also like build out this really, really cool payments business. So it was really exciting to work with people with similar backgrounds and an appreciation of the consulting toolkit. Um, and then obviously at the same time, it quickly learned that the pace of work is different. So consultants are very expensive. Some of my projects were like three weeks long. And so from beginning to end, you have to get back to the leadership of the company with your solution. And with McKinsey, what that often meant is you have to be done in two weeks because that last week is used for like, you know, you want to get the other people on board, double checking everything. So you have to learn to move very quickly, sometimes work very long hours, you know, smart, but a lot, you know, a lot. And then in banking, 
it's not quite the same intensity. And so you have to learn how to work with people who have different incentives or just different way of working with people to get what you want to get done. Because in consulting, like I can say, hey, this is from the CEO. I need this data. I need this right now. And people tend to move. And then in banking, I'm like, okay, I don't necessarily have that same mandate. I have to build relationships. I have to take a different approach to getting what I need to get. So you worked in banking prior to to working in the crypto yeah. space. With that said, w- what did you notice that was there anything in particular within the the banking or the crypto or excuse me the banking space that you noticed like hey this might need improvements upon and and kind of looking at the crypto space that might actually deliver that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was really payments, right? And you know that's the space I, I was seeing and. For me, I would see some of these stories of people who were trying to move money internationally. Um, There's this lady, I recall, who would send like two wires, international wires every month. And where I worked, that was $45 for each wire. So she's spending $90 per per month on just moving money. That's number one, it's expensive. Number two, she had to actually call each time she wanted to set initiate an international wire, that's you know high friction, right? And the third thing is like it takes time, so you can only do this during business hours, and then it takes maybe two days, three days. If you're sending money to some parts of Africa, it might take a week or more for it to arrive. So it's slow. And for me, when I started seeing opportunities where blockchain-enabled solutions, whether it's stable coins, Lightning Network, could actually lead to better solutions, payments that are objectively cheaper, faster, lower friction, to me, it was a no-brainer. I was like, this is better technology, and consumers would be better off. I'm better off. So this is going to win over time. No question. Was there a, was there a point in time when you were working in banking where you're like, Hey, you know, this crypto thing might be something that I want to do for a living. Was there, was there a point in time where you started thinking that? And then if that actually occurred, how did you go about trying to make that happen? I did. So it was, um, it was during, I started at first about crypto, like 2015. And I was like, yo, this sounds like a scam. People are mining, you're printing money. No, thanks. Um, and then, I, I actually had a personal experience trying to move money back to Nigeria, trying to donate to a, a nonprofit, and it was really difficult. And so some friends and I bought some Bitcoin, and then we actually sent it, and it got there instantly. I was like, wow, like this really works. And so I, um, I started talking about it on my team, like, guys, what do you think about this technology? Um, and... The cool thing is people were receptive, but at the same time, they were like, it sounds like a scam. Like, I don't understand this thing. (laughs) So I was able to work with some people. I found some other people who were similar minded. Like there's a huge community of people, you'd be surprised, who are, you know, DJs who have made, I mean, I have many stories of that actually be really surprising, Uh, but then I try to push some things internally, but frankly, it wasn't really being prioritized at that point in time. And I wanted to focus on what I felt was the future of technology. Why would I spend time learning the old stuff that's going to get replaced? Does it not make sense for me to like invest my time in mastering the new stuff? 
you know, so that's for me was like, I need to move. Got it. When, when you kind of figured out, all right, like now's the time to move. You obviously have an impressive background, like I said, varied background, engineering, consulting, banking. How did you try to go about finding a role in the crypto space? What were kind of those steps for you as an individual? Yeah, it was actually a long process. I mean, the first of all, um, I was still trying to learn about the space before I decided to make the transition. So I actually ended up taking a, a Pumps crypto course. Uh, so that was early, I think that was last year. And it was great because for me, I feel like the learning you can find for free on YouTube and Twitter, but the community was actually really important to me. So I made friends, met them at Bitcoin Miami, um, and just stayed in touch with people. Then when I decided, okay, this was months later, I said, okay, I actually want to pivot into crypto full time. I sat down, I thought to myself, I'm going to have a problem here. Uh, well, initially I applied for jobs and I got zero responses mm -hmm. and I realized I'm going to have a problem. Um, and I, and I realized a couple of things. First of all, my resume didn't really, really make sense to people, right? Like you say you're, in, you did engineering, then you're working at a bank and refineries and now crypto, like, what are you doing? So I think just learning to tell my story was really important. First of all, like look into myself, what are my key strengths? What can I bring to the table? That was the first thing. And part of that was actually figuring out what kinds of roles could I be competitive for? So I looked at a whole bunch of things. Like I said, strategy, there are very few strategy roles. Um, then I said product, I said partner. I did all sorts of things. And I felt yep. the place I had the strongest um, traction was around business operations, which is kind of like consulting a little bit. So that was the second thing I did, just got clarity on the kind of roles. The third thing I did was then I developed like a list. I have an Excel model of like, these are my top 10 like crypto companies I like. Then here are my next 10. And then these are the other 10 who I just, I've heard something about them. I'm going to dig in. And I basically had like those are the three categories. After that, I started like saying, who do I know at these companies? And I realized I didn't know many people. So I started trying to find people who were in roles that could hire me. So I'll look for like VPs of BizOps or VP of, you know, whatever. Um, and I started hitting people up on LinkedIn and it was rough. I honestly thought it would take me like, you know, two months to break in. For me, my journey was much longer um, than that. Um, but I would just email people like every day. I'd try and send two, three emails, random cold emails. Um, and the response was pretty bad. Like it would be some one week we got zero responses. And that was rough. I was like, what am I doing? Um, and then some other weeks I get like maybe 5%, 10% response. The best is like 15% response rate. So I did that for a while. Um, and that's how I, I started getting interviews was finding people and just like engaging with you. Can I have 15 minutes of your time? Um, and that's where I started getting offers to start rolling in. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great story too, because a lot of people, especially in, in non-technical roles, I think the path for, for some, for some people, um, the path for non-technical positions is not as clear or straightforward 
as it is in or as it is outside of the the crypto industry a lot it's interesting because i think so many industries out there that have been around for 20 30 40 years whatever it is the career path and the interview process yeah. and all that type of stuff is very cut and dry and straightforward and if you have this background you're a good fit for this position and it's not so much that within the blockchain space right now and even to hear somebody like yourself who again you have a really polished impressive background having to kind of hustle that hard to to get an entry into the space i would hope that if you know somebody's listening right now and you're having a tough time finding that non-technical opportunity you kind of just have to stick with it because it isn't always the the most straightforward or easy thing. It takes a little bit of effort, extra time and effort. And somebody like yourself, who rather than just applying to positions and kind of hoping you took that extra step of, of networking and reaching out to people and trying to build those connections. And that was ultimately one of the things that, that helped you to land the role in the space. Absolutely. I think that was really important because for me, um, I just felt like, yes, I mean, applying for jobs online is a nice thing, but I felt like I would have a much better chance if I could actually just speak to someone. Whether or not you had a role available, let's just talk. And, you know, people on Twitter, I've been so impressed. Like I hit up, people who are pretty high up, like COOs of exchanges, executive vice president of large crypto companies. And some of them responded and they were like, can you talk today, tomorrow? And I'll just really, till this day, like, people hit me up. I do try and make time trying to pay it forward because I've benefited so much from other people being so generous with their time. And yeah, I think it's really down, comes down to like, how bad do you want it? If you want it, you'll continue pounding yep. the pavement and sending those emails. <laughs> it's not fun, but you know, get it done. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think a couple, couple points too, that are, that are good about that is, Number one, I do think the accessibility within the space of, like you said, these top leaders at very large companies that are you know multi-billion dollar companies in the space that you can still kind of make your way and have those conversations with them via DM on Twitter or somewhere you know, on tell whatever it might be. If you write them kind of genuine messaging, it is very difficult to do that in a traditional yeah. industry. You are likely not going to reach a C-level executive from Goldman or from JP Morgan on Twitter no. DM. You you have a decent chance uh, of doing that in the crypto space if you are sending them like a real polished, genuine message. So I think that's one. Another thing that you said that was kind of going back to, to the earlier story that was funny that I just thought of was I've had it happen. It doesn't happen very often. I think there was one other person that sent me a list of maybe 30 companies that they liked that was kind of color coded in terms of interest. They were also a former consultant. So that just kind of cracked me up a little bit. So after a bit of time hustling to get those interviews, compiling companies that you, know, you thought would be a good fit, reaching directly to people you thought might actually be the individuals that would end up hiring you, you ended up working full time in the space. What are you currently doing right now within, within the crypto world? Yeah, so I joined Cross River. And my role is director of crypto business operations and business operations is one of those terms, which like means different things at different places. And that to me is actually kind of exciting because what it meant was that I would get to have different experiences within a lot of exposure within the space. So for me specifically, um, 
business operation, biz ops has meant everything from preparing materials to try and get like regulatory approvals to, um, you know, helping build out our OKRs, structure managing the entire team for, to doing things with like managing our vendor selection and onboarding process, helping lead finance for crypto, um, you know, there's also, there's, it, 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 there's more. <laughs> so, so, uh, for me, I've really enjoyed that because again, I'm someone who is very curious and it's been great just being able to have my tentacles in different areas and support the team and whatever is needed to get us over to the finish line. So unless you're somebody who's, I would say, pretty deep in the maybe institutional or the the business to business side of the crypto landscape, or mm. unless you really pay close attention to your banking statements when you withdraw from Coinbase or some other <laughs> exchanges, you might not know what CrossRiver is. Uh, would love to, to hear kind of what, what CrossRiver is and, and also how it is involved with crypto, because you guys do quite a bit outside of the just the, the crypto world as well, right? Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, I'll back up. I discovered CrossRiver by an interview of the CEO had with some McKinsey senior partners. And I was just blown away by number one, the humility and authenticity of leadership. And number two was just this um, sense of wanting to include people and reach people who are underserved, as well as um, this appreciation for technology. Those three things really stuck out to me. And that's why I reached out to like the crypto team. Um, based off just seeing this random podcast interview. But Cross River, we have a banking license, but we see ourselves as a provider of financial fintech infrastructure. So we serve businesses, primarily fintechs, across different areas. So we, on the basic side, we have bank accounts for them. But more interestingly, we do things like banking as a service, payments, and lending. I could give you some examples. So on the payment side, for example, we provide white label payment services to fintech. So someone like a Coinbase, every time you move your dollars onto the Coinbase platform within the US, you're actually using CrossRiver's um, capabilities. You just don't know it, right? Then on the lending side, during the pandemic, I had a bunch of friends buying Pelotons, and I'm sure some of them paid for them in installments, right? So some of those loans were actually backing them up providing some of the loans for the installments. So those are some ways where you're probably using cross-reverse capabilities. You just don't know us because we are B2B. And so about a year ago, we said, doesn't it make sense for us to actually go beyond and just start building out um, crypto infrastructure uh, that could enable, could support fintechs um, and even crypto companies, Web3 companies. And that's what my team is doing. So we're a small team, we move quickly. Uh, but we're, we have the benefits of a banking license. We have the benefit of industry-leading technology for payments, bank as a service, you know, and, and so really we can leverage those capabilities to do some really interesting things in crypto. And that's why I'm really excited to be where I am right now. Awesome. Now that you've been in the crypto space or been with, with CrossRiver for about a year, Curious as to what's maybe surprised you about working in this arena versus banking or consulting previously. Got it. So I think 
Well, first of all, you go out to dinner and you tell people, hey, I work in crypto and you have like really different reactions. Some people are like, and some other people are really telling you about their portfolio. Here's what I'm buying. And so that to me is interesting. But on a more serious note, I think um, one thing which has, it, it didn't surprise me as much, but I, one thing I do really appreciate a lot more is risk and compliance. I think having gone through the year we've gone through so far with Celsius and other things melting down, I think I just have a much greater appreciation for risk and compliance. Like it's nice to move quickly, but you want to move quickly in the right way. And sometimes there's this tension of like moving quickly and you know doing it right. And I think you have you need both legs to stand. And so that's something which Previously, I would have said, move quickly by any means necessary. And then now I'm like, no, <laughs> let's do it in a thoughtful, measured, you know, safe and compliant way. Yeah. Move so fast and break things isn't as fun when there's $10 billion of AUM and customer funds and bankruptcy and all the crazy things that are happening now with, with Celsius, which isn't, that's right. isn't super fun for, I'm sure, any person that had a dollar deposited there. No, no. Yeah, and I think you could even go to jail, right? If, depending on your role, if if something goes wrong, that's it's serious stuff. Um, yeah. But I think that's honestly is would play towards cross river because we are regulated. Our offerings could actually enable us. That's my that's my hypothesis that we could. There might be a pivot to be players like us who can do things in a safe compliant way. That's one thing that stood out and transitioned over time. <laughs> awesome. Has has anything in particular, you know, as you think about your like evolution within the space now, has anything been very helpful to um, kind of advance your your viewpoint or your capacity uh, as a professional in terms of, you know, was there anything that you were using to to learn to get up to speed faster or any type of kind of information education that you were consuming on a consistent basis? Yeah, I would say there are really a couple buckets. So the first bucket is knowledge. And number two would then be writing. And then number three is relationships. So knowledge, it would be like, you know, podcasts, YouTube videos, Twitter, just reading, reading, Discord, you know, just reading. And then I started writing a little bit when I first started getting interested in crypto, because for me, writing helps me clear my thinking. Writing forces me, if you can explain it to, to, to a five-year-old, you really understand it. So that was helpful for me. And the third thing is relationships. Like, it's nice to, like, DM people on Twitter. But, like, once you start forming real relationships with, with people, I think you can have really interesting conversations. And you learn from your friends. And I think that's something I'm trying to really anchor on some more lately is, I mean, it's nice to go for all these conferences. But, like, if you know, nothing like you don't talk to people anymore, then it's kind of like a waste, in my opinion. And so I'm trying to anchor more on like establishing and sustaining real relationships with other people in the space that could hopefully, we can learn from each other. And so I'm part of a couple different like groups and, you know, informal and formal ones, but yeah. Yeah, those are those are all really good points. I think that having that that knowledge and trying to consistently expand on that is is really helpful and and the educational portion of it. But like you said, the the networking is really really helpful and and important in a variety of ways. Like whether or not you're working full time in the space professionally right now or you're trying to get into the industry, 
going back to the point about like being able to, to reach executives and, and really kind of high level shiny people that you think you wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. I think also the ability to, to network with just, there's, there's a lot of genuine networking opportunities and, and people that are really excited and passionate about the space in, in areas, I think, you know, not as much otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I try and use the word relationship building more because I want to be your friend, like all seasons, it's not just about crypto stuff. Yeah. Like let's actually really connect and we'll go grab, you know, brunch on Saturday morning and bring our wives or you, you know, whatever. And we just connect and, um, maybe go drag me out to the golf course and you laugh at me as I'm swinging. <laughs> but, um, um, but I think, you know, I, I think that's the piece where the industry is still relatively small right now. And so we can still meet people relatively quickly. I can establish your reputation um, and that will stand you well in the years to come. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, maybe when, when I say networking, that's a good thing for me to keep in mind in the future. Cause I, I think when I, it sounds kind of stupid, but when I think of like networking, I'm just like thinking of kind of trying to make friends in the industry and people that you, you know, share kind of similar thoughts with and that you like hanging out with and vibing with. And for me, that's half of conferences is like, I, I don't, at this point in time, I don't have any interest. It's, it sounds bad, but most of the time, like if I go to a conference, I'm like, I don't really care about what these panels are saying. I just want to go and see, see my friends. And yeah. because there's so many people in the crypto space that kind of live in all these different areas, I feel like con conferences are just a great excuse for everybody to go to the same city and hang out and kind of okay. party and do their own thing. And so you know, thinking about things as, as relationship building versus like the networking for, for the sake of networking, where it's like, oh, I'm going to go and give you my business card and shake your hand and say hello. Like definitely not as much that as, as just mm. trying to, trying to find your, your friend group and, and people you enjoy hanging with in the space. Yeah, spot on. For somebody that is trying to get into the industry right now, we've, we've covered it a little bit here or there, but what would be your advice to somebody who's trying to start a career in the crypto space right now? Do it. <laughs> so, but how to do it? I think, I think the first step really starts from within. Like, why do you want it? If you have a strong why, that can help sustain you on the journey because the journey might be quick or the journey might be like mine, longer than you expect. So you have a strong why. Why do you want this? Why is this important to you? That's the first thing. I think the second thing then becomes um, what can you bring to the table? Like what's your story? Why should anyone, what problem can you solve? Another day, hiring managers want to know this person can solve this problem I have and they have the capacity to do some more things in the future. So I think spending time getting really clear on that. Um, and then the third thing I would say is, you know, talk to people. People have been super helpful in just like opening my eyes to things that I didn't know existed. Um, things, sometimes you have a perception of your mind like, oh, I think sales is like this. And you talk to a couple salespeople and realize actually it's not what you thought it was. And maybe you have an interest, you know. So I would just, you know, explore and i think the last thing is know what you will not settle for um when i was trying to break into industry i got a lot of advice from a lot of different people and some people told me "Afo, just take anything and i was like no 
I'm not going to take just anything. Um, no, I want to go somewhere and anything won't just do. And for me, like, I wasn't, there were some opportunities which would have been like substantial pay cut, like 50%. For me, that wasn't something which I was open to doing at that point in time. And it can be difficult if you're like, that's the only option you have. You have this passion. But if it's a non-negotiable for you, then it's a non-negotiable for you. You have to believe in an abundance of of the universe and the world that you will eventually find that thing that's going to be set for you. So yeah, just pack your patience and keep your chin up and message me. I can give you a pep talk if you want one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really good advice. And it's so, it can be, again, going back to like the non-technical and, and versus technical. And I'm sure some engineers find it difficult as well, but it's certainly a much clearer and easier path for a traditional engineer to, or software engineer, um, somebody on the, the kind of more technical side to, to find that opportunity versus like, even for myself, I've, I've told this story a bunch, but like when I was getting into crypto, I was working as a software sales rep. I was an account executive at, at Oracle selling ERP accounting software, like mm. not a real clear transition into the crypto space. And what I used to do is when I had my YouTube channel, people would send me messages asking for interviews on the channel. And I would look at the company and I would see if the company was interesting or legit. And it was, if it was a place that I wanted to work for. And if it was, I would send them a message and I would say, Hey, you know, happy to have a chat. Also, I saw this career. I saw this opportunity <laughs> on your careers page. would love to chat with you about it. And that was, that it. was essentially how I got into the crypto space. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. it was uh, <laughs> definitely for me. I mean, I, I feel like I was trying for, for months and it wasn't, mm. wasn't an easy thing. And, and like you said, you know, it was just having conversations with people and, and trying to, even if I knew like maybe the opportunity wasn't perfect, I'll have the conversation and see where it might end up and, and trying to be selective when it came down to things. So that was a, for me, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a not, not, not an easy time in comparison to previously, you know, I'm a, I'm a software sales rep. I'm an account executive. I can apply for an account executive role mm. interview. It's easy. It's done. <laughs> yeah. You know, you touched on something which resonated with me. We call it proof of work, meaning like you had this YouTube channel on crypto already, right? So anyone who has like, whether it's a Substack, a newsletter, a YouTube video, a really active Twitter page, you can, you have something we can point to and say, Hey, I'm actually pretty serious about this. For me as a hiring manager, that gets me excited because like this person isn't necessarily like a fair weather, you know, a fair weather person because crypto is hot right now. I'm trying to move in. That's not, I mean, we know people too, but I get even more excited when there's a candidate who can show proof of work. Like they're really into this space and they're here for the long haul. That's really exciting to see. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. It's something that I definitely recommend all the time too, um, is, is having that kind of tangible ability to on your resume or elsewhere show, I am serious about this industry. I really do want to work here. I put in this time outside of my day job, outside of you know, nine to five. I do this because I want to do this because I like this industry versus just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in crypto and you know, maybe I, I invested some money into it here or there. Yeah. Um, 
we'll, we'll kick things off maybe with one last, or we'll, we'll end things, not kick things off. We'll end things with one last question. You had mentioned before that you're uh, a hiring manager at, at Cross River, and I would be interested, outside of proof of work, what else do you look at when you are interviewing somebody, when you're chatting with somebody? What else is, is kind of an appealing thing for you when you're trying to find people to, to join your team at, as, a, as a hiring manager? Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing first is, do they appear that they can do the job? And so we design our hiring process to try and actually test that out by using like a case and some of the questions we ask. That's just table stakes. The next thing I look at, and this is me personally, is I look at communication. Because um, I think, is this someone who I can put in front of like our C-suite? Is this someone who I could trust to go talk to some of our most more important clients? Depending on the level, of course, but like I look at how they structure the communication. The next thing I would say is ambition. Um, I love people who are ambitious. And that can come off like in the proof of work we just talked about. Um, but people who like have just this raw drive for more, um, love to hire them. But I mean, even if they don't necessarily have the the the, the skill set per se, if you can have 70%, that's good. Like that raw ambition will that drive will take them and they'll outperform the person who has a hundred percent. Um those are the things that jump to my mind, you know, is, yeah, like I'm, I, the last thing I would say that's super important is, is ownership. This is, you know, a mindset of you're actually seeing yourself as an owner of the company. You're seeing yourself as being responsible for what's in your hand. Um, so even if it's like a relatively simple task, like, um, could you please, you know, rank get me all the list of all the digital assets, all the tokens. How do you do it? How, you know, like the way you present the work and the way you do the work, it, it, it tells you about the sense of ownership and people who display high sense of ownership, they tend to do really well. So I said a lot, but those are the things that came into my mind. <laughs> no, those are, those are great. And I think always interesting to hear from different hiring managers and people that are involved in that process, like what they look for and, and how they think about things conceptually as well. So I think so many of the people that do listen are looking for an opportunity within the space or you know, actively interviewing and, and those types of, and, and going through those types of experiences now. So hearing from, from you on that is, is definitely really helpful. Um, really, this was, this was an awesome conversation. I think your, your story your background and and how you got into the space for me it's 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 great to hear it's inspiring and I think hopefully it'll be inspiring for other people too just to hear the level of of depth and it was a challenge for you but it was something that you were able to to accomplish and you simply didn't give up with it which I think you know some people do and and the people that don't get rewarded and seems like you're in a really good spot right now, which is, which is awesome and excited about how hopefully your story will inspire some other people to continue on with their journey, finding that opportunity within the crypto space. 100%. And thanks for having me on board. I think it's really important to tell stories. Um, I do, I'm actually, I'm serious about people reaching out. I will respond to you. might not be immediately, but I will respond if people do reach out because I do think it's important um, to 
share stories, encourage each other, exchange ideas. Who knows? You might be helping me in the future, right? It's a, everything goes around in the world. So yeah. Awesome. If somebody does want to reach out to you, what's the best place to do so? Um, the best places I would say would be LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is afo underscore ogunaike, I think. That's it. <laughs> and then I'll, my I'll LinkedIn throw links my in the podcast bio for for everybody out there. So if uh, sure if you wanna if you wanna reach out, there'll be links there. But thank you so much for the time. It was it was really great to to, to chat with you. A pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. It was really a great chat. It resonated with me in general. Now, if you are somebody who is trying to get into the crypto space, looking for that first opportunity, feel free to reach out to my team at Proof of Talent. We are a recruiting firm that works exclusively within the cryptocurrency blockchain and Web3 space. Feel free to send us your resume. Link is in the podcast description below if you'd like to do so. Also, if you're a company that is hiring, needs some help hiring, feel free to reach out. There's also a link there. Thanks again for listening in from the Proof of Talent team. Really appreciate it. Hope you all have a good one.